Greetings, outcasts, freethinkers, narrative questioners, dot connectors, and genuinely open-minded and outright curious inhabitants of whatever realm we exist in at the moment. You are about to embark on another free first hour episode of The Notes. If you find yourself wanting to dig deeper and have the desire to join the conversation during our monthly Melt meetups, you might want to consider becoming a monthly subscriber. For as little as three lousy Babylon hokey pokey tokens per month, you can have access to full-length, early, and exclusive episodes. Just visit patreon.com slash themeltpodcast or click the link in the episode notes to set the process in motion. It's simple, painless, and very well might make you feel tingly inside. So without further ado, please enjoy the show! This is Hunter Muse. And this is Chris Snipes. And you are listening to The Melt. power, or at least not we, but some governments and corporations for the first time in history have the power to basically hack human beings. There is a lot of talk about hacking computers, hacking smartphones, hacking bank accounts, but the big story of our era is the ability to hack human beings. And by this I mean that if you have enough data and you have enough computing power, you can understand people better than they understand themselves, Mm -hmm. and then you can manipulate them in ways which were previously impossible. Mm -hmm. And in such a situation, the old democratic system stopped functioning. We need to reinvent democracy for this new era in which humans are now hackable animals. You know, the, the whole idea that humans have, you know, this, they, they have this soul or spirit and they have free will and nobody knows what's happening inside me. So whatever I choose, whether in the election or whether in the supermarket, this is my free will, that's over. We need to come to terms with the fact that, you know what, again, it, this is where philosophy meets computer science and biology. Uh, no matter what you think ultimately, is the truth of the universe, you have to realize that practically today we have the technology to hack human beings on a massive scale. And this means you need, we need to reinvent democracy. We need, we need to reinvent the market. Again, the whole idea of the customer is always right. We just do whatever the customers want. Yes, but you can now hack the customers. You can manipulate the customers to, to want what you tell them to want. 
So this whole idea that corporations just serve the needs of the customers, this is, this is over. You can't hide behind this explanation anymore. That was Israeli professor Yuval Noah Harari sputtering the nectar that the folks from the World Economic Forum lap up like ambrosia. He regularly chats with the likes of prime ministers, chancellors, and presidents from around the realm, and in 2018, he was the first to give a TED Talk via a digital avatar. Not only is he a transhumanist lapdog for the elite, but he also, as you have just heard for yourself, believes that free will is an outmoded and antiquated concept that is on its way out. He thinks that state and corporate power, one and the same, are to be the masters that all of us messy organic life forms ought to be serving. I bring this to your attention not to cause you fear or freak you out in any way, but so that you may laugh heartily at his gall and then promptly dismiss him and his ilk from your timeline. His chuckle-headed technocratic wet dream has been the subject of many a dystopian science fiction story for decades. He speaks with a naive and misguided tone of inevitability which can only come from self-delusion. Goodbye, Yuval. We humans don't have the time for the likes of you and your megalomania. We'll be over here loving, laughing, and living with intent with our feet in the dirt. We do not consent to your timeline. Today's guest, filmmaker Frank Jacob, has recently released a webinar entitled A Tale of Two Timelines that deals with Project Looking Glass, The Guardians of the Looking Glass, and an attempt to steer humanity into a timeline not unlike you've all described before. I start off the conversation by asking Frank to describe what Project Looking Glass is. Okay, well, Project Looking Glass is really the kind of the, the you could almost say the, you know, the, the axle around which a lot of things are turning. And it's, you know, a lot of, at least a lot of things that pertain to what we were talking about, what I was talking about in A Tale of Two Timelines and what has kind of since branched out into the world since the late 40s, because it all really kind of started in the late 40s when they began to interact with these flying, you know, pilots that are out there in these strange craft that began crashing. And this sort of set in motion a whole interaction between this clandestine section of the government and all of these departments that were formed actually as a result of what was taking place that people were reporting on, which could not be disclosed to regular folk, at least it was decided at that point, that, hey, we got to keep this quiet. And so all these secrecy elements began to take shape around then. And one of the things that emerged from this interaction with these pilots of these craft that began to appear in over uh, United States airspace, as well as other places in the world, but let's just center around the United States, um, that led to, to an interaction with extraterrestrials, for lack of a better way to describe it. At least that's how they were defined in the very beginning. And the, it was through the extraterrestrials' interaction and conversations that led to the looking glass, actually. And that led them to Sumeria and into areas where they would found, they would find, they were to find blueprints to build these things, which you could say, you know, were they Sumerian 
it's hard to say because that's obviously so far back in time. Some people think that the Sumerians were, you know, an extraterrestrial faction of humans or that they were an extraterrestrial race which vanished. Others believe they were just an advanced society. Others, you know, there's all sorts of theories around it. Um, or that the Anunnaki were there with them or, you know, that. And But in a way, you could almost say that whatever it is, um, the Sumerians passed on to us these blueprints, which were like a gift in a way to humanity to be able to help navigate time, really, in a way that what, what they discovered is that these devices, these looking glass devices, when they were constructed and placed in the proximity of what's called stargates, they began to project in the mechanical aspect of it, which is like a plasma ball, they began to project identifiable events or places that people that were the observers that were activating and using the device could easily identify, except they would notice that it was events or things that they that obviously had not happened, which led them to obviously realize that these are things that are happening in the future. And as they began to work with this material or work with what they saw, um, and this came out later, but, you know, we can get into that. There's a whole history of the looking glass material, starting with the first whistleblowers that then began to emerge. So we didn't find out about the looking glass and the the whole project looking glass and the, you know, the ETs that they interacted with until, you know, starting, you could say, the late 90s. People like Linda Moulton Howe were beginning to do investigative research. Um, there's a guy called uh, Bill Hamilton, and this whistleblower came forward uh, called Dan Burish. And Dan Burish claimed to have been involved in working on, um, actually working in what's called the clean sphere. He was a microbiologist, and this clean sphere was where they contained one of these pilots that was in one in these craft. And it was through that interaction, which started along like over many years connection between Dan Burish and this being who was who was called a J-Rod. They called these pilots J-Rods because they of where they came from. It's a sort of a, it's an acronym that represents where they came from in time. It's a complex little um, formula, but it was easy for them to classify them as J-Rods. And they classified the J-Rods into subcategories as well, which we can talk about also. But it was really in, in that time period, the late 90s, early 2000s, um, Bob Lazar also mentioned having seen briefings with respect to the Project Looking Glass. Um, random people would pop up and say, yeah, they were at, you know, Area 51 and they looked over and they saw it, you know, after they heard later, they heard about it and they'd identify. So there's like, there's a lot of independent verification that this device actually did exist and it was being used. And so, but it wasn't really until Dan Burish began to talk at depth with Project Camelot, which was Bill Ryan and Kerry Cassidy, and there's a whole series of interviews that they did, that they began to go into the nitty gritty of what this device was, what did it do, um, and then you know Dan Burish kind of went under again, and then an, another person popped up called Bill Wood, who was interviewed by Kerry Wood, uh, sorry by Kerry Cassidy, Cassidy. Uh, in in 2012. In, in the early months of 2012, and 2012, of course, was that auspicious year that everybody expected, December 21st, there was going to be this, you know, ray or whatever we'd have. And Bill Wood, in his interview with Carrie Cassidy, described an event that was going to take place, which had to do with looking glass, and they could not see past 2012, and they were looking at the material in the looking glass. It would always somehow go blank at, at 2012, or white, or whatever. 
And so they, you know, and the reason for that was, according to Bill Wood, that humanity was going to wake up on mass and we were going to see through all this deception. And then we were going to split the cabal up because we would see their deception, their lies and manipulation uh, and, you know, live happily ever after. Right. So we also know we all know now that, you know, after 21st of December 2012 came and went, nothing like that happened. If anything, humanity has gone even darker. <laughs> so, but you know, it kind of went silent, you know, for ten years. Uh, and with 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 um, other than the fact that that Bill Wood interview has you know resurfaced in multiple incarnations, sometimes it had a soundtrack under it. You know, the Inspired Channel turns out to have done you know a more fancy version of it. And after ten years, came along twenty twenty two, and I happened to be online and I was looking, I was researching something to do with the Ukrainian war. And I was actually on a telegram channel, completely unrelated topic. And I was digging down, looking for a particular post that um, Gonzalo Lira, this particular journalist that I was following at the time was talking about, which, you know, which was talking about fake videos done in the Ukraine. And that interests me as a filmmaker. I love that kind of stuff to see because I can identify what's going on. If it really is fake, I wanted to verify it. And and there was this statement about looking glass guardians. And I'm like, what are looking glass guardians? And I clicked on it. It led me to a YouTube channel that it had about maybe 60 views. It was just a couple of days earlier that it had gone live. Nothing was going on. And it was there were these cryptic, two cryptic videos. They just had the event and the singularity. You know, and I thought, okay, this sounds interesting. So I started to watch the videos and that led down that whole new pathway where I realized that these guys came forward calling themselves a Looking Glass Guardians. Uh, and they were members of that original Looking Glass team that had been working with the data, that had been, you know, mining the data and working with the timelines and obviously trying to use the information and the data and the timelines to the advantage of the elite who are the ones that were operating those projects clandestine obviously right so but what was interesting about the looking glass guardians is that they added a whole new set of information about how the function the functionality of the looking glass device which had been seriously lacking with bill wood and with Dan Burish, you know, they kind of vaguely described how it looked and, you know, how it functioned and stuff, but they didn't describe some of the interesting details which surfaced in the in the um, Looking Glass Guardians, which had to do with the fact that it ran in cycles. That what they were seeing when they were watching this uh, information in this plasma ball is they were seeing things run for the course of time, like up in this particular case, specifically seven days, and then it would start over again from a new perspective and uh, run another seven days. And it would repeat that 144 times. And then for some reason, it would start all over again. And after 144 times, seven days, it's 2,000, it's two years, 2.76 years, basically, 1.1004 days or something. And so basically, they figured out this cycle, and they began to keyword it by putting cameras and filming the data. And essentially, they'd have a database, and they'd have a complete set of what had been filmed, with these cameras. And once you have that, of course, without the device having like, you know, handles and switches, like if we think of the, you know, the classic time machine, you know, that we've right. seen in the movies where you get into a seat, you know, and you turn on the things and you <laughs> oh, I want to go to this year, right? Apparently it really wasn't like that. It was more of something that would run and then they would just observe. Mm. So it was more passive. And uh, so, but once they basically documented that information, they could use computers, of course, to log what they'd seen, and they could easily quickly jump to certain years and specific times to verify, I mean, to, to see what would happen 
well, if they just now in their present time went and affected a specific circumstance, which had to do with something they had seen in the future, they could then go back to that point and they could see if it lines up or if it had changed or in what de- to what degree it had changed. Right. So that's how I understood how it worked. And that's kind of how it makes sense in a lot of ways. Um, and so what was interesting, another thing that was interesting about the looking glass material is that it didn't end in 2012, as Bill Wood claimed, mm-hmm. but it ran into the year 2030, at which point it it no longer produced any further data. So for me, that was another trigger point because I knew that 2030 is a very, very critical date with respect to other things that are being planned or that are working in the background in society, particularly Agenda 21, the World Economic Forum. And this number 2030 keeps popping up in many crossover NGO reports right. and things that that people are talking about with respect to the future, with respect to you know, climate or, or whatever, you know, the agenda happens to be of the elitist. So that made me sit up and take notice. And, and I wrote a story, of course, because I, I waited for a few days to see if the usual suspects were going to report on it. And nobody seemed to be attacking the story. So I decided, well, I'm going to write a story about it. And I wrote that story and it went viral. And, um, you know, went viral on, on the internet with respect to videos and stuff. And so that began a whole dialogue with, um, with respect to not only the, the Looking Glass Guardians, who are a very controversial group on their own, but with respect to the, the the messages that they were bringing forward, which had basically two directions. And they were talking about two specific timelines that were going to manifest. One of the timelines, the most prevalent and the most likely to succeed with a 96% chance of success was the timeline that we're on now, which is the negative timeline, which is the timeline that basically is the one that has led us to the point where we would eventually move away from being carbon-based human biological entities toward being silicon-based, artificial intelligence-driven, transhumanist-type society, where we would move into this other dimension, other totally another world altogether, leaving behind the biological human chapter as if it was some skin that we shed that was a limitation and was useless. So, and that obviously is very disturbing for a lot of people, as you can imagine, to think about that. But these are the kinds of things that these people are, these are the ideas that they're playing around with and they're working with. And I knew a lot about the World Economics Forum's agendas, the Agenda 21, Yuval Harari, uh, you know, and, and their language is exactly about that. And the other aspect that the Looking Glass Guardians brought up in their videos was the act, the use of vaccination to ent- to introduce technology which would alter the human genome. You know, so that was another thing that was very current. So we had another sync point of what was going on and where it could lead. And the other aspect was it was this conflict between the Ukraine, Russia, and the United States, and this idea of a blame game leading to a potential nuclear holocaust, like a nuclear, well, a nuclear exchange, let's call it that. Sure. Um, and, you know, all of these things are now, as we see as now, now like six, seven months have gone by, and, and pretty much everything that they've been talking about in their prognosis is, is taking shape. Now, there was one thing that took place, um, and another of their videos was called The Event, and that was an event that would take place on the 18th of April, 2022, which would accelerate the pace of the elitists toward manifesting their goal of this sort of, you could say, really a slave society. You know, it sounds crypto, it sounds really like dark and, you know, crazy and sci-fi like, but 
there is really no other way to describe it. If you really value freedom and if you cherish your biological being and you believe that, um, you know, we have a future as biological humans that we haven't really completely even evolved to the level that we are intended to, then all these things are obviously very dark. Um, but that was another thing that the Looking Glass Guardians brought up in their videos. They said there was another timeline that had a 4% chance of of manifesting. And that was the positive timeline where we shed that dark aspect of us, the you could call the materialistic world. And we gradually manifested a whole new timeline. And they actually saw particular sync years, which that timeline took root and became prevalent. One of them was... Um, 2012, one of them was 2016, and one of them was 2022. And since 2012 had passed and 2016 had passed, and there had been no re really large-scale changes in society with respect to the plans of these elitists, the guys that were calling themselves the Looking Glass Guardians formed had an oath with each other to say, okay, well, if, if this is the last year we can do something, we better put the information out there. So they decided to, to tackle the problem not by you know, going at the globalists who are in charge or control of the technology because they would obviously see them coming, but to open source the information and just try to get it out to as many people as possible so that we would talk about it. And if, if, if there were millions of people talking about an event happening on April 18th in Times Square, New York, um, a, a false flag operation, then it would spoil the party. So right. obviously we would foil their plans. And so that was kind of my intention with writing the article. Mm -hmm. And I'm really happy that it went viral because with the help of John Nolan and Inspire Channel, we really did reach millions of people and including all the other channels that logged in. Eventually I was pretty much doing interviews on a daily basis for a while, putting this information out there, getting the message out there. Because I thought, look, even if it's not real, what can it hurt to talk about timelines and human consciousness and all these elements, transhumanism, you know, digital currency, all this stuff that belongs to this dystopian version of a timeline are real things that we really should be talking about. So yes. let's move it in the direction of timelines and consciousness and we'll ride along with the looking glass guardians to see where it goes. Um, and that's that's kind of the state that it's it's been in since yeah, so I just said a lot. Yeah, that's great. So no. do you think that Dan Borish is one of the guardians of the looking glass? It's possible. It's possible, yeah, but I've never gotten that confirmed. Um, I'm still waiting to hear back from a couple of sources which seem to mention that, yes, there there was a team formed around Dan Borish. Um, so, you know... It's it's possible, you know, but doesn't doesn't really matter to me really in that sure. sense. But yes, it's possible. I think it's it's sure, certainly um, there's a chance that that he could be involved. That he would want to do something. He strikes me as being somebody who's very humane, mm -hmm. somebody who's who's you know who's got a conscience, who, who does uh, want to help, and who actually describes you know the the factions of those involved in the Looking Glass material very accurately from a perspective of a Christian person, of a person of more of, of moral standards. And he's still alive, as far as we know. As far as we know, he's still alive, yes. So the this technology, looking glass technology, was it something that was reverse engineered? Was it something that was discovered? Like how, what's, what are the origins of that? Well, the origins were these sealed cylinders that they found in the Middle East that they contained building plans to make these things. And so I guess they started to engineer them as far as I know, as Dan was saying, starting in the 50s even, they began to 
build crude versions of them because the technology back then wasn't up to the par where it's at now. But the but the one that I think they had the most success and they were working with the most was the one they built starting in the 90s and used all through the 90s where they were really doing a lot of experimentation with it uh, in terms of, you know, they actually had identified specific trajectory timelines. They gave them names, you know, they had all these different timeline versions that they had explored and seen um you know one of them included hillary being the president etc uh so yeah <laughs> so yeah there was a lot of stuff that but i think that it came from these building plans and there's also the version um that apparently saddam hussein was working with in abu dhabi who had built one and had been working with it and was sharing the information with Gaddafi. And there's mm -hmm. a rumor out there that the Americans went into the Middle East to start that yeah. war to get their hands on the looking glass material. Mm -hmm. But I'm not sure if I believe that. It's one of those, you know, fancy stories, like sure. a lot of stuff out there that I, you know, I think there's a lot of other reasons for them to go into the Middle East, you know, which, which were political. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of other things aside from the looking glass, which are located in the Middle East, which they, I'm sure, want to get their hands on. And, you know, including portals and uh, stargates and that was one of the reasons that they were in abu dhabi because there was an, a stargate there an artificial stargate and there was a version of the looking glass which was larger and that version allowed them to actually put people through oh, and wow. people to come through from the future yeah well Crazy. i always just call it resources I, I throw it under the umbrella of resources. The reason right. that there's any type of of conflict with the Middle East is that they have resources that we want. Of course, of course, they have resources, and the, you know the thing is, we don't need those resources, but they've they've set up a world where we do need them. <laughs> you know, or we think we need them because we're we're kept in the dark about all these things. Sure, sure. Well, didn't the Guardians of the Looking Glass at one point put out a like you mentioned the event in April of 2022? Uh, there supposedly is going to be a series of events, seventy, if I'm not mistaken. Seventy, yeah, seventy, seventy plus events that they were going to talk about. Uh -huh. Yeah, but then then they put out another, the second event, which had to do with a um, a scientist, a, yes. um, a quantum computer scientist, a Chinese man. Uh, and, you know, who, which probably wasn't his real name. He was called Dr. Wu, you know, and they had some pictures up on him. And there was an article that he was published, that he published, and it was talking about his, his story behind the quantum computer work that he was doing. And he was important because of his um, work related to the quantum computers, which would lead to hacking cryptocurrency to generate a lot of money, which he would then take to take on the surface system the 3d world in other words he would have finances to put behind people that could go up against the corrupted politicians and and i think more importantly because of his um access to the quantum technology he would he was able to apparently crack into cern which obviously also which also uses quantum computers in fact some of the most advanced quantum computers are located at cern cern is the birthplace of the internet and CERN is also the, the, the birthplace of the Large Hadron Collider in a place where they are opening portals to other dimensions, another topic, but mm -hmm. also related to Looking Glass. And the Looking Glass Guardians' this video talked about how CERN was going to be used to enhance or to alter or to, you know, to, to work with the Looking Glass material and to change things. And uh, so, but Wu was also involved in a crypto thing and you know that got a lot of people interested and maybe they should invest in this in this um rainbow dow crypto project and and the whole thing just blew up and i think people got burned their fingers 
Um, and, you know, there, there may have been fraud involved and there mm. may have been infiltrators, which I'm sure there would have been. Why not? This is, you know, this is something that the, the cabal have their eyeballs everywhere and they will put people inside organizations that will pose as, as good willing insiders or people that want to help. And then once they're inside, they will corrupt it from within. Yeah. And my take is that that's what happened with that Wu chapter, which was the second video. And then it kind of went chaotic. Some strange video came out that had some weird, like, you could follow around and try to find this amulet, you know, and, and it just it just went it sounded like a foreign voice speaking. Right. And that led a lot of people to believe that they were infiltrated and that they had actually been hacked and taken over. Um, then there was, you know, I mean, there was some information that came out about the exchange between what had happened and, and the real looking glass guardians. They brought a couple of other videos out, which were also very interesting. Um, and, you know, they were leading us ultimately toward them dropping, I think, the final piece, which was there saying there's going to be this um, there's this group of people, white hat hackers that they've been contacted by who are working on software relative to digital currency and a social credit management system. And that was the last we heard of them. And, and even that group itself has become heavily attacked and infiltrated I mean, it's all of this stuff is totally predictable. Of course, they would be hacked and of course they'd be infiltrated. So do we know if they're a fraud or if they're real? I've heard, I mean, people have contacted me and they say that they're a fraud and there's people that, and then they've showed me stuff and I'm not finished my total investigation of it yet, but some people, you know, they said they're absolutely a fraud and they showed me data and I'm like, no, this doesn't prove anything. You know, yeah. it's neither proving that they are, nor is it proving that they're not. So we have to give everything the benefit of the doubt. The very fact is, the information that these people put out in the world has real sync points in the world. It is really happening. There really is a digital currency coming. And there really is a group of people planning to bring this dystopian future upon us. So um, they've done us a big favor because they've launched a discussion that wasn't there before in the blogosphere. And we need we have the responsibility to take that discussion as far as we can because it really is you know, a discussion which which um, determines the future of humanity, whether it's going to be a human or a biological human future, or if it's going to be a synthetic artificial intelligence driven future. That's where we stand. And the technology to realize that world, both of those worlds exists and then it will exist in the next 20 years. It'll come to its fruition in no less than 20 years. It will be decided one way or the other. And now's the time for us to be talking about it. Now's the time for us to make a stand. Do you think it's possible to jump between both timelines, that both can coexist? I think that's what we're doing now. I think the two timelines exist right now. We've, def we've definitely started this other timeline. Uh, and, you know, it's the one people talk about 5D, the enlightened society, you know, some people already say it's, we've got it already that we've, we've got this, it's done, right? It's one of those famous name memes out there. We got this, right? We, yeah, yeah, no, exactly. we don't got this friends. We don't got it. <laughs> not well, quite. Get that idea. It's not over yet. Right. Yes. But we've started, we've sprouted the timeline. It's no doubt. And more than people than ever are waking up exponentially. So we have definitely the odds are working in our favor to make this happen more so than ever before. So we can never forget that. That's probably the most single, most important piece that we have to hang on to, to give us the motivation to keep going 
Because if it was dire and hopeless, we wouldn't do it. And if it was really hopeless, the cabal wouldn't be doing all they are with the propaganda that they're putting out in the world. So yeah. right. we're obviously a threat still. We're obviously exactly. uh, you know, a detriment to them fulfilling their plans. Yes. But we are basically at this point, we're jumping between those two timelines. And uh, I do believe, I, but I do not believe, I'm not one of these people who believe that the timeline will split. That we're now on one, it'll split. All the cool people will go on the cool timeline and all the <laughs> asshole people will go on the negative timeline, right? I don't believe that. I think that's fantasy. Mm-hmm. Why? Because I, I, I've studied a little bit about timelines and it has to do with resonance. It has to do with frequency, which is our, you know, our, th- our thought and our, our, what, we, you know, what, what level we put our consciousness on, what kind of you know, thinking, what kind of ideas, what kind of thoughts we harbor and foster and nurture in our minds, which are frequency related, and the resonance, which is when we have a certain frequency, frequencies connect to other frequencies of similar frequency exactly. through resonance. And so it's our, um, the timelines are formed by our resonance with uh, consensus. The consensus is where the majority of people are resonating. It's the frequency most people are exactly. bound to. And that happens to unfortunately still be a lot of the normies out there, the ones that are really believing all these narratives that are running out there. You know, the whole, I mean, the COVID thing drove the the thing to the peak. I mean, it was like really, I think, where the, it was the first time where we really saw a clear division between those people who are willing to be fearless and, and acknowledge their beingness as creative beings and powerful beings and those people who are completely, completely bought the narrative of the disinformation and misinformation and educational system for the last century. Yes. How, you know, and, and so they are the ones that are for the majority and they're creating this timeline. They're the ones that are holding this timeline in, in, you know, in reality. And the only way we can get rid of that timeline is for us to stop freak, like resonating with it. Exactly. We have to see the garbage, see through the lies and dis attached from it exactly. and that's a two-stage st- process the one process is identify the dark stuff see the crap see the lies because you know looking at it is not making it happen that's a big fallacy out there sure. a lot of people said to me when i started talking about the dark stuff and the looking glass materials oh you're going to manifest it because you're talking about it and you're thinking about it no you're not you're you're only going to manifest it if you're blindly following it and putting your emotion into it and thinking that that's really what's going on yeah right. but if you're looking at it like somebody who's a chess player and you realize hmm, if i think six moves deep what he just did will lead to me losing that player that's not manifesting him you losing that player it's stopping you from losing that player because you can see through it exactly. so you can take steps to intervene and stop that from happening it's the same way a timeline works so we basically have to stop our connection to that timeline and once we do that we begin to open up to other frequencies other ideas other ideologies you know and we begin to visualize that's another big part of it what actually what kind of a timeline do we want what kind of a future do we envision humanity moving into and that's the second part of it and so once you do that you begin to disconnect and you weaken that consensus timeline it begins to crumble and that was the nice thing about the looking glass guardians video they were saying that essentially in one version humanity saw through it more and more and eventually they they just stopped watching you know all these you know these mainstream um programmings and they 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 disconnected from the facebooks and the and the googles and all and they just essentially said no we're not doing that anymore and what happened those things basically withered away, just like a plant that doesn't get water. 
will dry up and die in the garden, you know, and the exactly. plant that gets the, the fertilizer and the water and the sunlight is the one that's the strongest. So that's why I believe there's going to be one timeline and not two. Well, it's, so I just very quickly wanted to say, I think you've brought up a very, very salient, important point, and it is about sheer numbers. So I think the people who are believing or, or going along with this consensus reality, they, they may have the numbers right now, but they're so low frequency people that my way of um, observing that is not complying. So I don't watch heavily fearful movies. I don't listen to people who are saying this, this very negative kind of foregone conclusion thing, because I think it's possible for that stuff to seep in, but it's also contributing to that low frequency. Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. Well, it contributes to that frequency if you're if you're if you're locked in on it, right? If if you're watching it, going, okay, this is the newest programming they're trying to yeah. give us. This is the preemptive programming, predictive programming. Sorry, yeah, that they're putting out there, and you you you're studying it like a course, you know, yeah. like a university course. You begin to identify in the program all the little keys. Mm -hmm. Uh huh. There it is again. There's another indication, right? Then you're not locked by it. Then you will not go into that frequency. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it will not affect you one bit. You know, I mean, I, I watch all kinds of programs, you know, and it doesn't affect me in the slightest way. Yeah, exactly. You yeah. know, because I know, I, I mean, because I've 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 tuned into you know um, a finer, higher vibration of truth. Yes. I don't have the whole truth. I'm still seeking, like everybody. Yeah. But the higher the you know the higher your frequency gets, the easier, more easily you see through the patterns and you identify the dark. You know, and, and most of these people, the, most of these patterns are stupid. They're infantile, right? Exactly. They're just, when you see these guys, like the World Health Summit just got together six days ago. Mm -hmm. Somebody showed me a sent me a video. I checked it out. I watched the opening 18 minutes of, of the German Kanzler Scholz, this total goofball, getting up and talking <laughs> for 18 minutes like he's some expert on health, right? Exactly. What a moron, right? Yeah. And everything he's talking about, the fact that a German won the Nobel Peace Prize. And what did he study? Oh, he studied genetics that showed that a small percentage, thank, and thankfully it's only 1% of us, so in other words, not me, Yes. Maybe some dumb people out there exactly. um, that are genetically connected to the Neanderthal who are susceptible to COVID. My God, <laughs> right? What does that mean? That translates into, hey, justification for making more vaccines and more programming, right? And and you see all these people filing in at the beginning with their stupid masks on, like total idiots, right? Yeah. Like as if they really believe that a mask is going to stop a microscopic particle nano size that's 100 times smaller than a ping pong ball trying to go through a soccer net. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. These people are morons. And most yeah. of the people, most of their ideologies are so shallow and superficial. And they're all based on materialism. And so once you see that, once you've broken that veil... You can never return to that exactly. matrix anymore. You just see it like you just look at them and you just got to laugh. Unfortunately, it's serious because these people are still in control exactly. of the government of Germany, right? Yes. They're the ones running us into the brick wall at 100 miles an hour. And we're like a few hundred meters away. You know, it's going to happen if we don't do something about it. We don't knock them off their path. Well, an angle that I've never heard anybody take is that what if this looking glass technology is flawed? Like two timelines, it's, that reeks of dualism to me. Like who's, why can't there be an innumerable amount of timelines? Well, like, well that's a good point, um, Chris, because yeah, yes, there are actually, there are infinite amounts of variations of timelines. We each of us have our own timeline exactly. because none of us are the same. 
However, you know, we have a certain consensus that we all go along with in order to interact. We, we have a soul contract that we mm -hmm. entered into, let's say, before we entered into this dimension, this 3D, 4D reality with time in order to be able to interact with people. So we accepted a certain given set of base rules that we would operate by. They aren't going to hold us and bind us forever, but they were just there as a structure for us to navigate. So we can't have gazillions of timelines because then, you, you, I mean, you'd have no interaction with anybody. You would never see anybody because yes. you'd always be only in your own. So we, we've all made a kind of a consensus together. Mm -hmm. exactly. And this is where the resonance, you know, this is what it's, the resonance thing is about, right? Although we're not all identical, we each have preferences, we each have our own experience. Mm -hmm. In general, though, there is the kind of, like, there is this group of people out there that really do believe there is such a thing as a virus. Mm -hmm. And there has never been any virus that's ever been demonstrated. It's sorry, it's a theory. It's called the virus, the, the germ theory. Mm -hmm. They have never actually isolated a virus. In fact, they, they've isolated particles that they're saying are a virus, mm -hmm. but they have never actually made a correlation between that particle and the actual cause of disease. You know, and if you look back at Béchamp, who was talking about the terrain, right, the soil, the blood, mm -hmm. it's the disease originates in the condition of the soil. Right. A, a plant that is healthy and is in rich soil and is, you know, is able to defend itself against anything. A plant that's in dried, you know, depleted soil is going to be susceptible to disease, just like human beings and like our blood. So disease and the cause of it is going back into much other, much other, further other, um, if I could speak English, <laughs> uh, into other um, terrain, other areas here, because it has, it's a bigger picture, holistic picture of what is health, right? What is food? And if you... You know, if you've looked at the last century, the whole Rockefeller era, you know, because the mm -hmm. Rockefellers are the birth of pharmaceutical industry. Yes. They're the ones that went after the royal rifes and destroyed the labs of people that were showing us that, you know, they could get rid of um, these particles in the blood with vibration and frequency tools. And mm -hmm. they got rid of all those things and they changed it all to a chemical based science and allopathic science, which forced us to take their remedies at the same time they basically polluted the food chain with pollutants with chemicals exactly. preservatives you know aluminum they filled the water supplies with you know dozens of toxic chemicals arsenic chlorine fluoride you name it right the the skies above us are, are full of chemtrails and barium and aluminum particles and nanoparticles sinkering all around us they've basically screwed up our environment screwed up our food chain and our bodies have become susceptible to disease and they're trying to tell us it's because it's these things called viruses right and so this is a very effective way to keep people in fear consciousness which lowers the vibration anyway mm -hmm. but at the same time keep them away from realizing wait a minute if you know i stop eating all that garbage and i nourish my body the proper way i'm not going to be susceptible to disease yeah and so you know nobody's talking about that nerve we just have these idiots up there like schultz going on for 18 minutes about thank god we found out about this disease and this virus yeah. and thank god this guy found this genome and like i mean they're just you know this is unfortunately this you know the state of consciousness on that level and that goes back to that's where most people still vibrate with that most right. people yes. actually even intellectual people will believe that there is a virus out there that there is a covid virus you know they will believe it even though you can prove that it doesn't exist they just don't want to why because we're a social creature yes. we want to be 
in the group. We don't want to be cast out. Maybe it goes back to being in the Ice Age where we knew if we didn't stick to the clan and they kicked us out of the clan, we were going to die of, you know, of starvation and freezing. So, you know, it's in our genome. It's in our, it's in our genetic, morphogenetic feel, if you want, exactly. to not go against the system. So that's why there's this timeline, this consensus timeline, if that explains it a little bit to you. Well, sure. and it's also why these predators don't want to be, like, we could never get Hillary Clinton on our podcast because she wants to be around people who vibrate right. at a low frequency that right. she can control and yes. uh, and isn't questioned at all. I don't right. know if you've ever yeah. seen her in a situation like at a town meeting, for example, where she gets caught out like in the hallway or something and confronted her whole demeanor changes. It's like she crumbles. It's the same with Gates. So what they have to do is surround themselves with yes men, people who agree with them. So it's all these low-frequency people who are slaves to these predators. And I think part of what Chris is saying with these alternating timelines is that the reason what I've told him before, you know, when he says you were maybe more advanced than I am. And I said, water seeks its own level. So you're only going to interact with people who vibrate at the same frequency that you do. So that's why we have found you. That's why you found us because we're capable of having this exchange where we wouldn't be able to talk to Bill Gates. Because he no. would have a shield up and he wouldn't right. be able to ha- share any type of information. So I think that's right. a really important point to delve into is that we have to be able to have these conversations because it's what you're saying. We're spreading the information and it is actually raising the frequency of other people. It is. You don't know how many people write me almost on a daily basis saying after they've watched the webinar, after they've seen one of the talks, you know, that the the ideas that we're presenting and the way we're discussing them in a very down to earth, no nonsensical way, gives suddenly given them a whole new view of the world. And that's like, that's, that's the point, right? So like, hooray, right? Great. I'm glad we did it. You know, it's like, this is, it's no magic here. This is just simple human um comprehension and just using a bit of using our god-given faculty of logic and a few other maybe existentiary you know faculties that we have to to navigate and and we can find our way and we can and other people feel it they they feel the truth everyone knows the truth yeah inside many people know there's something deeply wrong but it'll be a long time before they act on it because they don't know how to act on it because exactly. they're still you know, they're still in that, like, as you said so nicely, they've sunk the, the water level. They're still in that level, mm-hmm. you know, and they're, they're afraid of, of venturing out. And, I, you know, a guy like me, I've, I've, I've never ticked, you know, the same way as others. I've always been a questioner. And so it was natural for me to always question what's going on, especially since, you know, I was 12 years old. I read material that most 12-year-olds probably wouldn't bother with. Mm-hmm. Um, but that shaped and changed the, the, my whole worldview in terms of, teaching me to question the narrative and that's all you need if you yeah. have this healthy skepticism exactly in a sense you, you know you have to be able to um you know uh, navigate something without having to feel you need to change it in order to try and identify and change and, and see what's going on and where you are in relation to it yes uh, because you know we all of us have we have a certain limited capacity with what we can achieve right at this very moment 
However, just simply breaking free of the mold and beginning to interact with other people opens up chance opportunities which never would have come to be, which the universe wants to make happen. Because the universe gets off on these amazing coincidences too. Yes. The universe wants to evolve with us. In fact, the universe needs us to evolve with it. So it's an interaction between us and the universe. Yeah, totally agree. And when you see, especially at a young age, when you see how easy lies are, or just stories uh, are propagated and how people start parroting them, and then pretty soon it becomes the mythology of a, of, a, of a generation. And then you add mass media into that and you see how easy it is to affect how almost everybody who takes that stuff in unquestioningly views the world. You see how powerful that is. And once you realize that that's a spell and that you are not going to fall under the prey of that spell, then it allows you to see the world in, in such a different way. <laughs> Like right. A, I mean, you're going to get angry. Okay. Like that's everyone that's listening that is, you know, coming up, you know, is, is dealing with these ideas and these thoughts right now. And no one is immune to that. Not, not even myself. Mm-hmm. When I first saw that Schultz talk, I got to say, I was boiling inside. Okay. Mm-hmm. Boiling. Cause I'm like this stupid idiot, right. Mm-hmm. Has the opportunity to stand in front of all these people and spew such utter garbage, which he's obviously gotten written for him by some other, yes. you know, limited little lackey normie, right, who's following some NGO agenda. Mm-hmm. And here they are with their, you know, illustrious public and their huge centers and their first class, you know, caviar dinners and they're, you know, celebrating each other and it just makes you steam and it makes you so angry. But then, you know, once you process it, you realize, okay, you know what? Don't get angry, get even. <laughs> so, right. so the more, and, and here we are now talking, right? So this is another way of getting even. We're talking and we're going to affect people. Exactly. And this is going to snowball. You know, we're eventually this, I'm expecting there to be a snowball effect. There has to be. Yes. And I'm seeing it already. I know that simply since, since uh, April, when I began talking with uh, John Nolan on Inspired, we've already set a snowball. We've already affected things. I'm yeah. positive. Yeah. And you can begin to see certain things crumbling in that normal system too. So I do believe we just have to keep plodding along, keep making the, it's like when you're playing a game, you know, like any game, even if it's soccer, you know, the longer you play, the more the odds are you're going to get the ball and the goal, mm-hmm. you know? So it, we just got to keep trying to get that goal. <laughs> Eventually exactly. we'll get it. And if not, at least we tried, right? So exactly. at least when it goes down, we can say we were on the right side of history. Yes, well, I think we all have made soul contracts, and that's why we have all been born into this um, iteration of humanity, and that's why people are who they are. So I think there's going to be this pivot and this switch where more people do, quote unquote, wake up, but it's not my job to wake anybody up. I think no. they, well, where, where we have to be very careful and very mindful is of our ego, Because I think as people start to become more aware of what's going on, it's easy to be the I told you so person. And all that does is make someone withdraw. So what I've tried to do as I've kind of observed people around me is be a little bit more of a handholder as the people are freaking out and going, oh my God, I can't believe this is all going on. It's like, you know, I've been in this game for a long time and I've been trying to tell you, <laughs> but at the same time, you just want to be like, all right, well, now that you've reconciled or you've realized that there is some other agenda happening, you know, just 
be gentle with yourself. Like, don't be so upset that you've you've bought the Kool Aid for so long. Right. And no, I no, think- we've all bought in the Kool Aid, all of us, you know. And so there's no point, and that's just wasted energy. And you realize, you know, that uh, I've found it's interesting because I, I operate in different worlds. You know, like you were saying, you know, two timelines, right? Well, I operate in definitely operate in two timelines, and there are people that know me in one timeline that uh that have no idea of me and this and this is the other timeline we're in you know you, right. we're sharing you know you and i are on the other timeline together right now mm-hmm. and, and what i talk about in this timeline it's funny these people on the other timeline they never they ne- don't check i don't exist in this timeline they don't see me and uh but there have been cases where people in that other timeline have had their you know their their mind is split open and they've had their awakening mm-hmm. and suddenly they find me somewhere they find one of our films and they're like, oh, my God, there's Frank, right? <laughs> and then they reach out and they go, like, God, you've been here all this time, right? And I'm like, yeah, it's like, you know, you just didn't see me, that's all. But I didn't beat them over the head with it. Yeah. And I didn't say, you know, hey, didn't you watch me on the other day? I was on the melt, you know, like, yeah. no, I don't. I just like, I just do my thing. And the people that are in this timeline that are ready for the information that have crossed over, I'm just speaking my truth based on the information that I've spent meticulous years trying to put together trying to filter, pre-filter for people, you know, so that they can kind of get past the, because there's a lot of garbage out there, in the, especially in the, well, let's call it the noosphere. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. There's a lot of garbage out there. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, someone's got to help to decipher the garbage. And I have the advantage, if you call it that, that I woke up very early and it's been several decades that I've been navigating in, you know, both worlds. So I, I'm familiar with it and I've, I've, you know, developed terminology to help both people on both sides understand and navigate that timeline that sure. they're on better. But isn't it lucky that this has happened in many regards? Because what it's done is that it's woken us up to each other. I think yes. that's, we should be very grateful to this darker timeline because what it has done is it's forced people to, uh, you know, lift themselves up by their bootstraps and gird up their loins. Like you don't, you can't really just sit back and let things happen. So I think there's something very positive and I feel very grateful for all these predators because what it's done is it's just reinforced the journey that I was on. I love that perspective. That's just so much the way I see it too, Tucker. I just, you know, I was like at the end of our film packing for Mars there's a phone call from the universe and it pretty much says exactly what you just said. And, and I had a phone call with someone the other day and they were saying about being grateful. And I'm like, yeah, that's really a high state of consciousness to be in because to be grateful every day is not something that is easily accomplished in lieu of all the darkness around us. And so the idea of the darkness though, if you look at it differently, instead of looking at it as this evil force that's out there to kill us and get us and, you know, maybe just look at them as your teacher, you know, and they're there to push you to that edge because without them, you wouldn't make the jump. You would, you would just be, you'd be standing on that edge forever and you would go like, no, I'm not going, it's too far down there. I'm not, you know, I could get hurt. So you won't, you won't jump as long as no one's pushing you. Most people want. There'll be a few nut jobs with their wingsuits. They'll jump, right? But, um, you know, <laughs> like most people will stay and run, right? And run back, you know? So, yeah, it's, I see it that way, too. That's why I, don't, I no longer see things in a polarized way. I just see them, the, them, whatever the other dark. Because if we are one 
and and on a certain level you can't be out there in the new age saying oh we're all one and blah blah blah, and then not look at the dark side as being that one exactly that's just part of one. maybe it's on the other end of the pool Mm -hmm. you know but it's there and it's you so the sooner you stop vilifying it Mm -hmm. and going right up to it and saying hey wait a minute you know uh i've actually been checking you out lately and you know you're saying this and this and this right so uh let's talk about that you know then you 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 demystify it and you you break down like you were saying if you confront these people privately they're like the bullies right when they're in their gang you know they'll bully you around but if you catch them on their own in an alley and you know then all of a sudden they're different they suddenly cower because mm-hmm. they don't they realize they can't go up against you because they don't have the street smarts. Yes, exactly. We've all been following the f- polished scripts of their sanitized universe for decades. All of them have had speech writers. All of them have been going to the party with the same stupid idiots for all these years <laughs> that they see constantly. They're in that same same political agenda mindset, following the same script forever, and they're bored. Right? Got it? Come on, they they got to be bored. Right, because it's the same old, same. That's why they take so many days off, right? Especially in the EU, EU Parliament. I mean, it's funny that one guy that just stood up and 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 called Ursula von der Leyen and Oliver fraud and to order six point five billion dosages of you know, which is ten dosages for every citizen in the entire EU with our taxpayer money is a fraud. It's a crime. And he was making this big speech, and you're going, yeah, right. And then the camera pans out. And you see him standing amongst a bunch of empty chairs. <laughs> you realize that there's no one there listening, right? Wow. They're all on holidays because they're bored. They're tired. They're they're not interested any longer. They've checked out. Yeah. You know. So these people, you can you can easily defeat them. Any of them, if you take them on in an argument and a debate, they crumble. And uh, we have to know that. We have to be. You know. We have to. That's why I always say we have to start confronting them. We have to start going to them. Because that's you know we have to we have to go up to them. We can't just you know stand back and oh that bad political system out there, you know don't complain about it, you know do something about it or don't complain. Then just yeah. accept it. Exactly. Because if you're not going to do something about it, then you can't do anything about it anyway. So what are you going to do? Just you know be a consumer and complain all day long? That's just going to lower your vibration. Better to stick your head in the sand and be happy than to complain all the time and not do anything. So, exactly. you know, complaining is not, is not, uh, not in a, um, a, way, a way out of this dilemma. It, it's, it's got to do with going up to these people, our representatives, the people we've given our vote, you know, the ones we've so, so-called empowered in our so-called democracy, and calling them on it, making them you know, live up to what they've been entrusted with. That's the idea behind, you know, society, isn't it? I mean, really. And if we don't do that, then what do we expect? They're gonna. The people with the money and the deep pockets and control of the media are gonna do what they want to do. They're flaunting it in front of. I'm sure you've noticed that, mm-hmm. right? Oh yeah. In the media, in the films, and the. I mean, they don't even hide it anymore. It's like it's becoming so blatant. Yep. They, they know that. Hey, they've checked. They've done their studies. They've tested the waters, and they've seen. Nope, ninety percent are sleeping. Forget it. We can do anything. See this? Look at. Watch this. I'll take my clothes off and I'll walk down the street. <laughs> nobody will see it, right? And they'll do it. And nobody will see it. Yep. Right. This is what they're doing with us right now. They're provoking us. They're exactly. tantalizing and teasing us with all this stuff, this, these, you know, evidence, like self-evident uh, behaviors, which are, you know, showing us where they want to go. And they're saying, hey, do something about it then. Yeah. Well, exactly. we have to. We are doing something about it. This is why I do not condone the people that are saying, sit back and watch the show. I no. think that's very destructive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not one of those people that's saying, sit back, Q's got this. Sorry. 
Lord have mercy. That was incredible. I may change my name to Tucker. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't sure whether I should bring that up. I'm Uh, so glad you did. Okay. Thank you. Because I didn't, I was going to write him a message and say, my name is Hunter. Well, I would hate for him to maybe perhaps listen to it further down the line and realize his mistake. And, and yeah, (laughs) and I, I would, I would want somebody to tell me if I were on a show and I, yeah. Anyway, that's, that's not the takeaway from this. What is the takeaway? Isn't it? (laughs) That's it. All right. Thanks for listening. (laughs) Oh, wow. Well, I'm really interested in this conference that he's going to be at in Los Angeles. That sounds amazing. Mm -hmm. But if we, if we don't go to Peru, we should look into going to California and seeing him. We'll, We'll go to Peru regardless, but when... Yeah. It's a different story. Yeah, we have plenty of opportunities to do that. Yeah, right. (laughs) But I love uh, the looking glass stuff. I love the guardians of the looking glass stuff. Um, It's hard to keep something like that going when, and to to verify it in any real way when it's just some anonymous group or person dropping all these little bombs and then really not sticking around to be accountable for it you can't have them on for an interview so you know but as i think frank alluded to sometime during the talk uh if this exact thing if these exact things aren't happening including this social credit software system uh then you can be sure that similar very similar things are happening or in the works or you know does that make sense what are you looking at I'm just listening oh, to what okay. you were saying. Yeah, I think that that uh, it kind of goes into the Q world for me because I, I felt very skeptical of uh, the QAnon movement, especially when they were saying that Donald Trump was the savior. It yes. was like, really? <laughs> this is this is the the person that we're hanging all of our hopes on. The uh, reality television person. Um, so I, so I, I, again, like I feel, I, I don't know. I, it's not that I feel skeptical of um, the looking, the guardians of the looking glass. I think where I stand with all of that is we are in control of our reality. We are in control of how we perceive the world. And ultimately there will be people who want to sign on to cryptocurrency, who want to sign on to digital currency, who want to sign on to the social credit system. And there will be people who don't want to comply with that. And I think that's where I feel most confident is that there's always going to be people who don't comply. There's always going to be outliers. There's going to be people who find a way to circumnavigate the system. And those are my people. Well, (laughs) yeah, I think it's important to note the implications of things like this. Uh, I think the dangerous part of... Um, putting out this kind of information can be that people freak out. Like when I first heard Frank being interviewed on forbidden knowledge news that we're actually going to be on tomorrow night. Um, 
is that it freaked me out, and I just took it all as gospel, and I thought, what the fuck is humanity going to do? Like, how are we going to get out of this? But then, again, the danger falls in information like that being dropped, and then somebody taking it for face value and as if it's an inevitability that's going to occur the exact same way that it's being laid out. And I don't think that that's necessarily the case at all, but I think it's a good mental exercise to envision the possibility of something like that happening. And what can we do either to keep it from happening or to navigate, navigate, (laughs) through it in a way or around it in a way that it's not only inevitable or non-inevitable, but that it will be sort of, um, um, and the, so it can be easy. I know from firsthand experience to see it as some inevitability that's written in stone when I don't think anything is written in stone. Um, who cares what, who has what planned out and mapped out and to what nth degree, because anything can happen, especially, and, and this is why it is not dangerous and why it's important to get ideas like this out, is to see it is as one of the many possibilities of how things could roll out and and envision, at the very least, envision something different. Call some different outcome into being. We're that powerful. We can do it. We can call bullshit on this and take it in a completely different direction. Just put your time and energy not into focusing about freaking out about this stuff, but into calling something, call what you would think would be the ideal uh outcome to all of this and drawing that in closer and canceling that out. Yeah. I think uh, one of the reasons that television exists and mainstream media exists is that it's the constant brainwashing machine. And one of the uh, quotes that I heard kind of in the beginning of this whole process was how surprised that Bill Gates was that so many people were compliant, that Mm -hmm. so many people were wearing masks, that so many people were rushing to get the jab. And I think it's because they aren't even, I, I think they don't even believe that people would be so willing to go along with it. And so I think what that says is they, there's this undercurrent of fear that you know people aren't going to go along that that it's going to turn ugly that that he is he isn't safe and that no one that is trying to do something this evil uh that those things have some karmic um repercussion and that every life matters there is there will be things that don't go unchecked like People are going to have to pay karmically for what they've done and how they've complied and and what they've gone along with. So I think that's an important thing. There's an important element to that. Um, That's one of the reasons why I'm not really concerned about uh, likes or thumbs ups or hearts or, you know, any of this this stuff that uh, shows the an engagement that people are engaged with what we're doing. I don't care if we have a hundred thousand listeners or a million or 11 million. What I care about is 
that we have the, the right people listening, that we are influencing and affecting people who vibrate with us and that, that are on the same frequency. So to me, that, that is more important than um, trying to have a great influence on uh, the greater society. I think that we all have some degree of responsibility, self-governance and self-responsibility, and that's more important to me. I'm not looking to be a leader. What I'm looking to be is the best version of myself that I possibly can be because I'm not healing anybody. People are healing themselves. We are creating this space to have these dialogues, but ultimately... It's up to the the individual who's listening that determines what they do with this information. And that's how I mean that's why that's so powerful because you're powerful. You're very, very powerful. All of us are extremely powerful. Uh, and it's easy to minimize that. Again, like we've said in the conversation, we've said it in conversations before. Tucker and I have been saying all this time that <laughs> <laughs> just kidding, Frank. Love you. Just totally kidding. Um, is that it? It is our disempowerment that is the most powerful tool that these folks have against us. And for the most part, it's worked swimmingly uh, because most people just don't see themselves as anything. Right. But From, I would say laziness more than anything, spiritual laziness. Yeah, for sure. But it all feeds into it. Uh, scientific materialism, um, the whole system that we have that uh, uh, where we quote-unquote elect the people who <laughs> supposedly rule uh, serve us, but they actually end up ruling us. Um, all of this stuff serves to disempower us, giving us only two choices with these politicians to elect them into office and have them decide the fate of us. It's all bullshit. It's all... Yeah made to 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 minimize your um your I, I, power i mean there's got to be a better word for that um, frequency your frequency Energy. your effect it, yeah. it's all frequency that's yeah. another reason why things like 5g and all this shit that's being put into the atmosphere and all of these frequencies from your smart meter to 5g towers all that stuff that's why that matters too yeah. and we're going to actually be having somebody on at the beginning of next year called Mitch the Organ Donor who is going to have a very uh, a lot of very hands-on ideas about how to deal with that kind of stuff on a local level. But you're so fucking powerful. You are. You have to remember that. Um, not in an egotistical way, but in a, uh, a sovereign, self-governing, you can actually have a huge say in your destiny sort of way. Yeah. And in, in therefore saying in our group destiny. Yeah, I, when when uh, we were going through the struggles that we have gone through with our extended family and the children being jabbed and that whole discussion and how that all went down, I think one thing that I said to you that I still really believe and I feel in my my gut is that regardless of what happens in the future, what your children will be able to say is, or be able to observe is that you fought as hard as you possibly could against this narrative that you did everything in your power to stop 
uh, that from happening. And I think ultimately, that's really this test here. This is where gratitude comes in, is that what these predators have done is that they forced us into action. They have forced us into um, responding as opposed to complying. And I think that's really, that's an important part of this whole circumstance is that we didn't go along with it and we never have gone along with it. And I would imagine the people who are on the other side of this conversation, the, uh, the people who are listening to us, they haven't gone along with it because they wouldn't have made it this far in this dialogue <laughs> if they had. Uh, so I think that's really important is that we all have to come to this place in ourselves where we realize our own frequency and where we are vibrating and the level of control we have in our own world and what we are what what wolf we are feeding in our brains are we feeding the part that's fearful that feels weakened that feels um that there is only one timeline or are we feeding the one that realizes that it's really the thought that's leading this and it's where our thoughts go that are determining what the future is. I believe that it is our duty not to buy into the fear story. Not to buy into any of the story. Um, Most of it leads back to fear because that's such an surefire way of manipulating people but i think it's also important to there's a practice put forth by chugyam trungpa rinpoche a tibetan teacher that came over and set up the shambhala school and foundation and publishing house so on and so forth starting in boulder colorado uh, with naropa institute and there's a tibetan name for it and i can't think of it but basically it amounts to uh, turning poison into medicine. And I think there's a lot of poisons around, um, which it feels like we don't have anything to do with, and we very well might not have anything to do. There might be nothing we can do about how much and what kind of poisons we get subjected to. But uh, So what we can do is, like any situation in life where you have to, if you can't control your circumstances, you control how you deal with your circumstances. Right. You can control how you metabolize that poison, right. what you turn it into, turn it into a learning moment, turning it into health, yeah. turning it into whatever, something that serves you yeah. and it makes you more powerful, actually. Yeah. And that's po- very possible. And this is why you can eat gas station pizza. <laughs> because you can turn it into health. <laughs> Thank you, Casey's. <laughs> don't don't give them a shout out, damn it. <laughs> Hashtag Casey's. Chris Chris does he goes there. He goes to and what I mean goes there. He he eats things that I I would throw my body into a crazy crazy loop, but I think that he's in on this journey where I, I think it doesn't have as much of his, an influence on him as it does me. <laughs> well, that, and that's a huge blind spot for me. Um, that is something that I, I, I have worked on off and on throughout my awakened part of my life. And it's the thing that I have the hardest problem with. 
Thank you for bringing it up publicly. Um, because <laughs> so because I, be I, I want, exactly, I want support. I need support from our listeners. Anyway. Because I want I'm to live a long time and I want you to live a long time. Sure. There's a lot to say there and we're already <laughs> over 12 minutes into this. Uh, what's the, not prologue, epilogue. Um Yes, something I'm working on, uh, but I do, at the very least, in those situations, which they usually happen because of, I, oh my God, I can't believe I'm going to get, I don't want to get into all this. Let's have another, let's just, I've been talking about having episodes where just you and I go off, riff. We can riff on that. I'll be, I'll be totally accountable for all my actions. And explain myself, and maybe you guys can help on some level with that, because I certainly could use it. Okay. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, it was a great conversation with Frank, as I oh, knew that it would be. Awesome. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. And that won't be the last one, for sure. No. But we are booked through the beginning of January, so it will probably be sometime in the beginning of next year when we chat with him again. I'm really looking forward to it. It's, Me too. It was amazing. I, yeah. I feel so grateful to have people like Frank who have done the footwork and the the research and compiled all of this data and who have opened themselves up to um, the dialogue and ridicule potentially and just are fearless. Mm -hmm. I think that's the, the thing that I, is most inspiring is just the fearlessness because I think we need a lot more of that. For sure. And I want to watch his other films. Too. Hell yeah. 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 So we need I'm to in. get on that too before we talk to him again. I'm in. All right. Thank you all so very much for listening. If you'd like to get a hold of us uh, with um, uh, guest ideas. It's Tucker-Muse. No. <laughs> That's where you're supposed to say casserole recipes. Oh, casserole recipes. <laughs> or ways to, to stop eating gas station pizza. Razor. I don't do that very much anymore. I, really I know, don't. but it's just funny. It okay. sounds funny. It does sound funny. <laughs> um, you can email us at themeltpodcast at protonmail.com or Tucker hyphen muse. <laughs> no, Hunter hyphen muse at protonmail.com. Uh, thank you all so, so very much for listening. It's important for us. Hopefully it's important to you. Hopefully you got something positive out of this and you can take it into your family and your world and your community and do something good with it. Yeah. And think good thoughts. Yeah. That's the first start. Yeah. Think. Don't, since we are all frequency antennas, you don't want to broadcast more negative frequencies. No. Uh, don't let this stuff freak you out. Uh, it's something to take into account, but it's not the whole story by any means. It's just one version of it. So, yep. yeah, I agree. We're all good. Yeah, we, uh, we all are collaborators in this reality, and we are all deciding from a second-to-second -second basis which direction this ship is being steered. Yeah. Let's don't give, let these old vampiric reptiles yeah, uh, no. have any... No. Their time is done. Yeah, Fuck feel them. sorry for them, if yeah. anything. Just feel sad for them. because. And then and push, then let it go. And push them off the cliff. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, they've already done that. That's yes. not our job. I know. I was just kidding. All right, we love you. We love you. And until next time. 
Ta-ta. Tickety-boo. To hear the full-length version of this episode, get access to exclusive and early episodes, and participate in our monthly Zoom meetups for as little as $3 per month, just click the Patreon link in the episode notes or visit patreon.com slash themeltpodcast. Contributing financially will help to make this podcast my full-time gig that I can devote more time to and allow me to create more content. Other ways of contributing would be giving us a favorable review or rating wherever you get your podcasts, subscribing to us on YouTube, spreading the word wherever you and your tribe congregate, or just by sending us your positive thoughts and intentions. In a quantumly intertwined and holographic multiverse, these also go a long way. Thank you.